welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Dave Dufour is in the building. We're here. We're going to talk all about 2023 NBA All-Star selections. We're going to pick our own reserves. We're going to dive into the controversy surrounding the starters and Joel Embiid at the top. But first, what's going on, buddy? Dave, how you doing? I'm great. I'm an All-Star, you know, um... <laughs> I, I was chosen to to choose the All Star Reserve, so I think doesn't that make me a captain? I think you're a captain. All Star captain. Yeah. I'm putting it on the resume. Certainly the captain of the Athletics podcasting team. I think there's no <laughs> doubt about that. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. It's, I mean, if, me and Zach Harper picking teams. I I wonder who we'd pick last. Probably we'd be fighting to to choose Jay King last. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that that works for me. I think that's yeah. about right. Yeah. So. Like I said at the top, this podcast, this episode, it's all about the All-Star Game. It's all about making our own selections. I believe that those selections come tomorrow night, if I remember correctly. Right, Dave? Uh, yes, Thursday. Yeah, we're uh, – no, no, Thursday. So two days so from two now. So two nights from now. Yeah, yeah, Okay, even better. We get a longer tail on this show. That's it, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to jump in. We're going to talk all about that. Uh, but first, I want to start with the All-Star starters. So in the Western Conference – the fans, media, and players selected in the front court: Nikola Vucevic, LeBron James, and Zion Williamson. In the back court: Stephen Curry and Luka Doncic. In the Eastern Conference, the back court is Kyrie Irving and Donovan Mitchell. The front court is Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jason Tatum. Is there anything that immediately stands out to you about that uh, on the East side or the West side? Well, Zion just has barely played. You know, I, yeah. I think that, that that's a problem for me. Um, other than that, I mean, look, man, it's a fan vote. So it's a fan game. I, I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, the fans are dumb because the fans actually are the ones – like, it's an all-star game. It doesn't matter. Um, I want to see Zion do cool stuff too. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm just okay with it. I hope he can play, actually, if he's healthy. I mean, again, yeah. this is – you know, it's – this is a good showcase for the league. And, you know, I, he was having a, a really nice year until he had to miss this time. And and obviously the Pelicans kind of, you know, fell off a cliff without him and Ingram. But um, I don't know, man. I, I think that's the only one. If we're going based on merit, obviously, you got to play games to be there. So, uh, you know, and you and I, I think we talked about this before the show, but we sort of accounted for that <laughs> in our reserve. Yeah. Because – you know, yeah. the fan vote is going – I mean, Russell Westbrook was pretty high up on the fan vote, and I think we can all agree he hasn't played like an all-star. But, um, you know, uh, the fan vote does this every year. So, yeah, it's just a Zion thing yeah. to me. Yeah, so we're going to talk about this when we get into, like, criteria for how we picked reserves and everything. But I will say, kind of from the jump, I set kind of a 30-game cutoff. I felt mm-hmm. like that was the reasonable spot. And then also – Considered minutes played in my selections to some extent, as we'll talk about a little bit later on. I do think that being on the court is important, especially this season when everything is so tightly bunched in terms of how good these guys have been. We are in the midst of what, in my opinion, has been the best like all-star, star-laden season in the NBA in many years, uh, many, many years at this point. So, I think we should kind of default to the guys that have played a lot. That's just me. But 
you mentioned Zion. Zion was kind of a stunner to me for sure. He was a top 10 player in the minutes he played this season. I don't know that I could quite get there with him as a starter. The obvious controversy to me was Joel Embiid being left off of the starters. Look, I would have Joel Embiid as a starter. I think that, you know, when I did my midseason MVP rankings, I had him third of this group of, you know, this four of basically four of the top seven players in the league are Eastern Conference front court players because Durant, Giannis, uh, Jason Tatum, and Joel Embiid are all so, so good. They are unbelievable level players, and someone was always going to be left out. It's the way that all star voting works. There was always going to be a controversy. I personally would have left out Jason Tatum. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Probably not right, if I'm being completely honest. I don't feel good about any of it. But I do think Joel Embiid should be starting this All-Star game. And I understand why Philadelphia fans are disappointed because it does just feel like this continuing batch of slights toward Joel Embiid from back up in MVP for a couple of straight years. See, Uh, but those aren't slights to me. Come on, man. You look, you came in second in MVP to the MVP two years in a row. Okay. Yeah. It, that's not a slight. If anything, it's, it, 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 you know, it's a good story. I I just don't think it's a slight. I guess you're saying, yeah, this is a slight. I think that this is the perceived thing because look at the media in general, they pit, one versus the other, right? This is what happens, right? We do this. I do it. I'm guilty of it, right? We pit one versus the other all the time. And because of that, it feels like these guys, someone is losing. And it feels like Joel Embiid is losing these conversations all the time, as opposed to winning them, despite the fact that, like you said, losing a conversation against Nikola Jokic, it, it means being the second best player in the league as opposed to being like, you know, losing a conversation with someone. So I can understand why Philadelphia fans are a little bit disappointed. I would add Joel in the all-star game, uh, starting it and being there and dominating. I think he's unbelievable. Uh, We saw in the game over the weekend against Nikola Jokic, he took that personally to quote Michael Jordan. (laughs) And honestly, like we're missing out on some cool moments because whenever these two do match up, I think, Joel does kind of kick it into extra gear. And I would like to see that in an all-star game because I think Joel would would bring the same sort of intensity that he brought to that match. Maybe not quite the same. He's not going to go as hard. Um, It's not going to be like it's Ben Simmons out there, so to speak. Um, But I I think we're missing out. But it's also circumstantial. You know, if if Jason Tatum was listed as a guard, Joel Embiid is starting. There's there's just no doubt in my mind. So, I I mean, I don't know. I, I think that you know, there are a lot of bones we could pick. I, maybe choosing the starters this way isn't the way to go. Maybe caring about positions isn't the way to go. You just start five guys and you don't care whether they're a guard or a forward or a big or a wing or assistant coach. Who cares? If you get yeah. voted in, you're voted in and you get to, you're in that top five, you're a starter. I don't care what position you are and, and just do that and then let everything else shake out. It's basketball. Like they're gonna, they're, they'll be fine if, if for some reason you have uh, Jokic and Embiid starting on the same team. I, I guess what that would just be cool. No, yeah, no right, complain, right? Like, like the, it's all star game. Lean into it. Make it weird. Yeah. Let it be weird. So I, I just think uh, 
you know, I, I hope he doesn't take it as disrespect. He's he's an all star. He's going to be an all star. He, he's probably going to be the runner up for MVP again this year. Um, <laughs> that's a pretty damn good career. I, I now, you know, he needs to do some stuff like win some games and go to a finals yeah. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, so does Jokic. But yeah, I, I, I listened to his comments the other day after that game where he talked about the disrespect thing. And you could tell that, yes, he feels disrespected, but also like he is interested in making a statement on the court. And right. he brought up the record, like what they've been doing. And I think that that's, that's kind of an important turn for Joel in his career where it does seem like he's very focused on winning basketball games. I, I love that. So if, if, yeah. it, if he's got a chip on his shoulder because the MVP, it's working out for us. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Completely agree. I, I love watching Joel Embiid. I love watching him play. By the way, this season, I think it's probably been his best season. This is the year where he has combined that dominant scoring, where he's leading the league in scoring, in addition to actually defending at an exceptionally high level as well this year. Uh, this is a top three defense in the league. And yeah, guys like DeAnthony Melton, guys like P.J. Tucker, certainly, as we saw in the game on Sunday. They've really, really helped lift the level of the Philadelphia 76ers across the board defensively, bringing Matisse Thibel off the bench just to be a menace for a little bit of time. It all helps. But it's Joel that's really carrying the load on the interior. And, you know, uh, look, this, like I said, if this is his best season, he should be starting the All-Star game. So that's firmly where I feel about it. It, it uh, is going to be weird if he wins MVP, which to me, right, right now, it's, it's a two-man race. I, I have him and Jokic neck and neck for the MVP right now. Um, you yeah. know, and in particular, this head to head matchup, it does matter to me, right? Like that mattered. That was a statement game. Joel Embiid took it as a statement game and he made a statement. So I care yeah. about that kind of stuff when, you know, cause the MVP is a narrative award anyway. It, it's it's yeah. purely a narrative award. Yeah. This, you need stats and you need success, but the, the narrative is what sets the standard. I mean, Jokic doesn't win the MVP last year. If they flame, you know, if they have the season they have, but at full strength, the, the context yeah. of of the the season matters. So I think with Embiid, man, like he's up there now, especially after after that performance. Yeah, I mean the three I've got right now, just because Kevin Durant has missed a bit of time yeah. here, uh, are Luka, Jokic, and Embiid, and that's kind of where we're at in this situation here for MVP. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a real chance that Durant could maybe sneak back in if he gets healthy and we'll see where that goes. I mean, he was unbelievable, like carrying yeah. the Brooklyn Nets to an unbelievable season, but we'll see where it goes. Okay. Yeah. Let's jump into our criteria for all-star reserves. We're going to start with the Eastern conference. What did you look for when trying to pick this? Obviously it's so amorphous. It's so, you know, you can do this 97 different ways. Right. But yeah. What did you look for when trying to pick these teams? Well, I mostly, I mean, I mostly look for, you know, guys who were on winners who were contributing to winning. Um, obviously we like to reward good defense and efficient offense. Um, but you know, I, I also value games played. So Kevin Durant, you know, like wouldn't have made it for me. I, I don't think, I think he's missed too many games. So if he if he had re relied on me to make a reserve team, might not have picked him. So I care about the games played, and I, I care about you know how your team is doing. You, you know, it's hard to be an all star on a, on a loser, to me. Yeah, for the most part, I agree. So like someone, 
like I, I can't imagine picking like Paula Bancaro, for instance, who I right. know finished high in the fan or in the player vote. Actually, I think he finished eighth among players mm-hmm. in front court voting. I, I just can't. I can't pick that. Guy. I think he's he's um, an all star caliber guy. Like he's going to be an all star player. Um, yeah, but his totally. his statistics aren't overwhelming enough for me to be like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he he should be on there. I mean, and, and I, frankly, I. I would pick Franz Wagner over him from being completely honest in Orlando. But the other thing is that have you, have you been watching the, th- the uh, Orlando magic recently, Dave? Uh, they're scrappy. Do you know what their record is in their last 27 games? I, they, you know what? They're like what? 20 and 31 or 20 and 32 overall. But yeah, la- they, I don't know. They're 10 and something in their last 15 or 10 and five in their last 15 or something. Yeah, they're 15 and 12 in their last 27. They have a positive net rating. Like, they're good. And by the way, that last 27 game, like, span, the reason that you pick this is the marker, is when Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony got off of their minutes restrictions and started to be able to play, like, full games. Magic rule. I talked about the magic last week on the pod. I don't need to do it again. But... Minutes played definitely matters for me. Games played definitely matters for me. Again, the reason for that is just that everything is so tight this year that I wanted to use it as a real kind of tiebreaker almost more than anything. And that especially came up in the Western Conference. Uh, We'll talk about guys like Devin Booker, Anthony Davis. I set a games played marker of 30 in terms of where I wanted guys to have at least played. That's, you know, something like... 55% 55% of games. It's not that much. Like it, it's not that high. I don't think I'm setting the bar drastically above where it should be. It also knocks out Kawhi Leonard, who by the way, has been phenomenal in the games that he has played, especially over the course of the back half of the 27 he's played. He played 27 games. There are teams that have played 54. That's like half the season. I, I just, I decided in a year where it's so close, I'm setting a 30 game cutoff. It's not a, unreasonable number but i want to reward the guys that have been on the court at the very least yeah okay so let's jump in eastern conference all star reserves do a start in the backcourt or the front court dave because i think both are an absolute shit show either <laughs> you you lead whichever okay i mean let's we should start with Embiid, right <laughs> well okay let's go to the front court yeah because Embiid is the obvious one So Joel Embiid is going to get one of these front court spots. To me, that leaves kind of a big group of front court guys to consider now for what could be three spots. Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan were the four I considered essentially for, uh, or no, and Julius Randle. So it's five for three spots, basically. And that's a hard group to kind of parse through, I think. I The the top guy that I picked was Bam Adebayo. I think that he combines offense and defense in the best way out of this group. You look at the numbers, he's been absolutely outstanding this year. He's averaging, uh, what is it? I believe it's 21 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, shooting 54% from the field, 79% from the line. Uh He's also been, in my opinion, a top three defender in the NBA this season. That's just an all-star season. He is the guy on the Miami Heat that is carrying them. I've seen people you know, choose Jimmy Butler as their all-star from the Heat. 
I absolutely do not buy that. I don't see it. Uh, I think Bam has been the guy that has carried the load for them all season. It has to be Bam Bam Adebayo uh, is my second forward pick behind Joel Embiid. Yeah, and uh, that's mine as well. Bam Adebayo, for all the reasons you listed, it's his most efficient offensive season. I think he's really done a good job of being more aggressive, which has been the knock on him the last couple of years. They needed him to create more for himself for himself and he finally is doing that so uh and you mentioned the the defensive acumen that he's been displaying this season um he's gonna i mean he's in the defensive player of the year conversation when you look at what he's doing with the personnel around him i mean you know jimmy butler's in and out of the lineup Uh, everyone's in and out of the lineup in in miami except for bam bam plays and bam you know he lifts the, the he's a rising tide for the defense so yeah i mean he's been spectacular yeah, he's just been absolutely phenomenal all season. I know Jimmy leads him in scoring. I know that, you know, I think that he's averaging like five assists per game and he's been terrific on defense. This is a great Jimmy Butler year again. And I think Jimmy Butler absolutely is an all-star consideration, but there's just no way to me that if you watch the Heat consistently, you can say that Jimmy is the guy over Bam at this point of the season. Maybe that changes by the end point of the season and they're a little bit closer in terms of minutes played, games played, everything like that. Yeah, okay. and I, we know who's going to be in the playoffs. That That's yeah. the thing about Jimmy Butler. Um, totally you know, right. And I think that, you know, he probably knows this too. Not making an all-star team. Yeah. I don't, I don't know think he matters. cares. Yeah. I don't think he cares. He might like the few days off. Maybe he'll go down, you know, maybe he'll stay in Miami. <laughs> uh, have a good time. Okay. My next guy, I picked Pascal Siakam over – Randall, Butler, and DeRozan. Siakam, to me, has been the best kind of mix of scoring, playmaking, defensive uh, capability. He covers so many holes for the Toronto Raptors. He's responsible for creating so, so, so many shots for them in an offense that looks like absolute dog shit at times. And I know that they're sitting in like 10th in offensive efficiency right now. But if you talk to any Raptors fan, you watch the Raptors regularly, that half court offense just gets absolutely miserable to watch uh, way, way too often. Siakam is the guy that carries the load there. And we're seeing a bit of a resurgence from Fred Van Vliet, which is great. We're seeing uh, Scotty Barnes really develop as a playmaker, I think, over the course of this last month. Uh, they've started utilizing him a little bit more in short rolls. They're starting to use his processing speed a little bit better. But Siakam's the guy. He is the guy at the center of it all. I had to pick Siakam. Yeah, same. Uh, you know, he's 26, eight rebounds, six assists a game, and six assists with no shooting, Yeah, which is just, I mean, this is almost impossible to do. Um, what he what he's able to do for them in transition is huge because, as you mentioned, that half-court offense just – is non-existent and he stands out on the defensive end in a defense that sometimes, you know, it it can get also messy, you know, ball watchy, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so, I mean, look, Pascal Siakam is a top 20 player in the NBA and him being an all-star shouldn't be a shock to anybody. Um, He's a guy that other teams are lining up, hoping they can get. Yep. You know? Okay. Let's go to the guards now. I've got a big group here that I considered in the guards. Well, wait, I have another. Well, band. we have. Well, yeah, we let's let's do the guards and then let's do the two. Oh, yeah, cards. I forgot oh, the, the, two the guards. wild card spots. Yes, 
Yeah, three forwards and then two wild cards. Got it. I also have another forward in there. But let's go to the guards. For the guards, I have got Jalen Brown, Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, Drew Holiday, James Harden, Darius Garland is my big mix of guards. And this was very difficult to parse through. (laughs) This was very, very hard. My number one choice was a bit easy, though. I picked Jalen Brown. I think he is the very obvious selection here. The Celtics are the number one team in the NBA this season. They are well-deserving of having two all-stars. Jalen Brown is averaging 27.7 rebounds, three assists. He plays solid on-ball defense. This team desperately needs his shot creation uh, all of the time, essentially. You watch that Lakers game. He was absolutely a monster uh, late in the game when they needed it most. He's been consistently great all season. I think Jalen Brown is the number one backcourt pick. Yeah, I mean, and he's paired really nicely with Jalen Brunson, right? Brunson's effectiveness has gone up since Julius Randle kind of rediscovered. I, I said Jalen Brown, not Brunson. Oh, yeah. But yeah. My bad. I was I was thinking about uh, my, own, oh, my own pick here. But yes, I also have Jalen Brown. I feel like we had the same team, Sam. We um, might. I also have Jalen Brown, who is a, is a no-brainer. Um, I mean, he is the the 1B to Tatum's 1A. I, I mentioned this the yeah. other day, um, how unique it is to have a guy who so perfectly complements your main star. When, when things get tight for Jason Tatum late, that seems to be when Jalen Brown turns up the aggressiveness and attacks yeah. the basket, which is exactly what the Boston Celtics need. When they're yeah. when they start getting into that uh, you know hot potato offense, we're gonna just go ISO, abandon our principles. <laughs> Jalen Brown abandons it in the right way by attacking yeah. and trying to get to the to the rack, and then ultimately getting to the free throw line. I think that you know his his development and evolution as a guy who can get to the line consistently. I mean, you could draw a straight line between that and and this his skill with the basketball in his hands. I mean, this is a guy who couldn't dribble yeah. and sometimes still can't. But it has done a much better job this year. I think coming out, like, he seems to know that he is a guy that's capable every night of being the best player on the court. Yeah, and that's new in the last, you know, I'd say year. Yeah, I think the handle is exactly it, man. Like, I think that he knows now that he can get to his spots just a little bit easier. Just, you know, as you mentioned, the free throw rate is up. He's averaging five and a half free throws per game. That's the highest number of his career so far. Uh, he consistently attacks the basket. He's just, he, he's been really, really good and really, really consistent. Do you remember the conversations? Do you remember the stupid ass conversations people had about Jalen Brunson or Jalen Brown? I don't know, man. Um, I was calling him modern Scottie Pippen from the day he was drafted, and uh, people people thought I was crazy. Um, fre- freaking Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum can't play together, Dave. I don't know right. if you knew that. Oh yeah, neither could Michael Jordan and Scottie <laughs> Pippen. Right, like these two guys that are really good basketball players can't figure it out. It's so. I don't know, man. Is it good to have a bunch of guys on your team that can dribble and shoot and defend? Or not? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, the jury's good? out. <laughs> is that good? Is that is that what teams are I don't looking know. for? It's like Garland they build and Mitchell. Teams? Can you have two guards that can that can <laughs> shoot the crap out of the ball? I, I just don't know. Okay, so the next guard spot. This is a hard, this was a really hard one. I kind of talked about this on the last episode, and I think people are going to be upset. I picked James Harden. I picked James Harden over Tyrese Halliburton. I picked James Harden over Drew Holiday, over Darius Garland, over everybody. And here's why. Uh, 
James Harden, if you look at the numbers this season, averaging 21 points, 11 assists, six rebounds. Yeah, he's only played 33 games. And I get that, you know, that might be a problem for some people. And I think it's reasonable for it to be a problem for some people. I set my cutoff at 30 games. I am abiding by my rules. Basically, you can have your own rules. Uh, Harden this season, I think, has done the best job of his career in terms of playing unselfishly, in terms of getting everybody in the offense involved. His you know, assist number, it's not the highest number of his career. He averaged 11.2 in 2017. But I think it's just the best mix of everything. You look at the turnovers that year, he averaged 5.7 of them. This year, he's down to 3.5. Uh, he is just consistently dominating the game when Joel Embiid is on the court in that two-man game where they have Embiid short roll or they'll have him roll all the way to the basket. He's dominating the game when Joel Embiid is off the court. This team is winning all of its minutes without Joel Embiid with James Harden on the court. Uh, They have a plus two net rating, if I remember correctly, in those settings. It's just a remarkable uh, set of – it's a remarkable way that James Harden has completely fit. I had my worries. I talked with Mo DeKeel last year at the deadline about the way that Harden and Embiid would fit in terms of Joel likes the mid post – Joel likes to short roll into that area. Harden, he likes to try and drive. Are those driving angles going to be there? Is everything going to be, uh, is everything going to work in the way that they want it to? Obviously, it took a bit of time. I didn't think it was quite smooth last year necessarily, but this year it's seamless. This year, Harden has figured out how to space, how to take that step back. Two great players figuring out how to play together. It's been kind of like, uh, perfect every single time I watch them in ball screens. So I get that he does not have the burden that Tyrese Halliburton does at the end of the day. I think it is so much, so much harder in the NBA to go from taking a team from like being able to win 25% of their games to winning 50% of the games like Halliburton is for the Pacers to taking a team from winning 50% of their games to winning like 70% of their games as Harden and Embiid are for the 76ers. I just think it's way, way harder to take that second step uh, across the league. So I went with Harden here. We're going to get to Halliburton in a minute. I'm sure of it. But do do you have Harden on your team? I Yeah, I do have Harden uh, on my team. I have Halliburton above Harden, but we can talk Harden. I mean, I think for all the reasons that you listed, this has been a great season from Harden. It's under the radar which is, it is funny to say about yeah. James Harden. But it's under the radar because it's been so clean and efficient. This guy is just yeah. not turning the ball over. He He's he's not – I'm not going to say he's coasting through these games until the fourth quarter where he seems to have a little bit of an extra burst. But it's it's it does seem as he's picking his spots early so that he can take over late. And he's throwing some of these little pocket passes behind the back, between the legs, in tight pick-and-roll space with Joel Embiid. Yep. And Joel's got – beautiful hands, which may be the best hands that Harden's ever been able to do pick and rolls with. Yeah. And man, that is fun to watch for a basketball nerd. Um, So yeah, I think Harden has been, he's been great. You know, we were all writing him off and look, he just proved us wrong. He's in pretty good shape. And I think basketball wise, man, he's playing some fun basketball to watch. It's still the grift. You know, you still got to deal with all the free throws, but (laughs) 
Um, it's at least you entertaining. When you watch it on Synergy, it's fun. When you don't have to watch the free throws, it's great. Here's the good news. James Harden taking six free throws per game this year. Much lower than normal. That is good is news. Good. <laughs> uh, okay. All of so them you after to... the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Halliburton now, because I have Halliburton as my first wild card pick. Uh, my clear, he's just like got to be on the team, in my opinion. I love Tyrese. Uh, I think he's been my favorite player in the NBA, in the entire NBA this season, point blank. He's averaging 20 points, 10 assists, four rebounds per game, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three, 88% from the line. He is in every way just this metronome of efficient basketball, efficient decision-making. He leads and carries this high-paced transition attack. Uh, if you've watched the Pacers recently, it's a lot of, you know, their transition possessions are Ben Matherin puts his head down, seeks out contact, tries to score at the bucket. When you watch Halliburton, it's like, okay, it's a little bit slower, but it's methodical. He picks out trailers really well. He picks out, you know, exactly who he's looking for every single time on the court. It, it's just the way that the way that this Pacers offense runs with him, without him, you can just see how incredibly, remarkably value, valuable this human being is uh, to any basketball team, let alone this Indiana Pacers team that has just completely, utterly fallen, up, fallen off of a cliff without him in a uniform. Yeah, his, his shot selection really stands out to me as a young guy. Um, you know, he, he seems to get himself open without the ball. To a degree yep. that that a lot of guys, as good as he is in the pick and roll, a lot of guys are not as good at off the ball. But I think he's really nice off the ball. I, he's a solid, complete player. And, and there's just not a lot of guys his age that are doing, like leading a team the way that he has. Yeah. And I think you got to give him credit for that as well. In addition to just performing, I mean, leading the league in assists per game right now and, and and also playing good defense. I mean, almost two steals a game, you know, a half a block a game, which for a guard, and especially in that system, he's not going to get a ton of blocks as it is. But, um, you know, he is uh, he is every bit an all-star player. I mean, they're, they're a tanking team that couldn't tank because he's too yeah. competent at his job and, and also just really good and talented. I mean, I think he's a better player than Demonis Sabonis right now. I would like if you if you said pick one, I'm picking Tyrese Halliburton every day of the week. And I know that people are enamored with Sabonis in Sacramento, but I, I think Halliburton has a has a higher ceiling today, like as in this season, has a higher ceiling on a per game basis than yeah. Demonis Sabonis. Now Sabonis is a super high floor, and and they're always now going to be compared because of this trade. But uh, Halliburton is an all star, no doubt. He's been amazing this year. Yeah, look. I agree with you. I just don't want to wade into the Sabonis Halliburton wars right now. I do because I'm. Do. They're they're both going to be all stars. So I'm just not. I don't. I, don't, I want to celebrate. Oh yeah, great. I don't have Sabonis on my list. So. Oh God, we're gonna have to. We're, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Okay, last wild card in the East. We are down to Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler, Darius Garland, Demar Derozan, Drew Holiday, Trey Young, Jalen Brunson. Okay, so for me. This came down to Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, Jimmy Butler. Uh, Darius Garland, by the way, is having a phenomenal, phenomenal season that I think deserves 
so, so much more credit than what it's getting. He's averaging 22 points per game, which is actually a career high. Uh, he's averaging more points than he averaged last year. He's actually averaging fewer assists just by a little bit than what he averaged last year. But like his production has not fallen off one single bit playing with Donovan Mitchell, who dominates the ball at an exceptionally high level. Like Darius Garland has been absolutely ridiculously good this season. He was the guy that I think I felt bad about leaving off. Uh, Jalen Brunson, I ultimately, I do think that Darius Garland's having a bit better of a season than Brunson, if I'm being completely honest. I think that Brunson has been kind of the leader of that Knicks offense, and that Knicks offense has been absolutely great. They are currently sixth in the NBA in offensive efficiency, and in large part, it's because of the ruthless efficiency with which Brunson runs the show and keeps everything in place. I feel bad about not including him. I think in you know last season, he would have been an all-star for sure in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler, uh, I think, has been great. I uh, just ultimately kind of dis- defaulted to some of these guys that have played a few more games. Jimmy's played 36 games. Uh, you know, Jalen Brunson has played... Uh, I believe like 1,700 minutes. Darius Garland is up to about 1,600 minutes. Jimmy Butler, I believe right now, is at about 1,000. No, he's at 1,200 minutes. I kind of use minutes played given that it's like 25 to 35% more uh, for some of these guys, just as a little bit of a difference maker. At the end of the day, I went Julius Randle. I'll be honest. Like I didn't really even consider Trey young that hard. Like I considered him, but he was a pretty easy knockout for me just because of the inefficiency this season. And because of the defense, I know he's averaging 27 and 10. You have to consider someone that's averaging 27 and 10, but at the end of the day, you know, this is a guy that has a true shooting percentage that is like barely at league average. And the defense is just a substantial, substantial negative every time he's out there. Uh, Julius Randle, on the other hand, has been just an absolute monster. And I've been pretty strong on the bandwagon from the start of the season that I thought Jalen Brunson was the guy. I think that that's turned kind of over the course of the last couple of weeks, just given the way that Randall has continued this terror. Uh, you can just kind of look at it from right around Thanksgiving until now. Julius Randle is averaging 27 points, 12 rebounds, five assists on 46% from the field, 35% from three on nine attempts per game, uh, only turning it over 2.6 times. So he has almost a two to one assist turnover ratio. He's getting to the line eight times per game. He's just been utterly dominant for like a 30 to 35 game stretch now. Like he's been one of the 15 best players in the league for a 30 to 35 game stretch now. And I think I kind of just have to reward that at the end of the day, especially given that he also played 54 games, played a crazy amount of minutes. He's been just a little bit more valuable than the rest of these guys for me. So I went Julius Randle as my last wild card spot. Same. And again, I was getting into it before. I think that a lot of the credit that Brunson deserves, you could you could share with Randle. Um, yeah. Brunson season, right, in a lot of ways. Because they they have paired up nicely together, I, I think. And, and Randle... Yeah. You know, it's when he signed that contract, you know, th- th- he looks just like the guy who signed the contract. Let's say that. Um, I think defensively, yeah. he, he, you can, you can trust him on an island again. 
Um, his rebounding has been spectacular this year. He's been really physical, actually, on the boards, um, which I appreciate. And, and screen setting. I know it's a funny thing to say, but like his screen setting opens stuff up for for all those guards. Yeah. So um, you add that into his shooting efficiency being back up to to what we want out of Julius Randle, and yeah, I think he's an easy choice. The two way play um, makes it pretty easy. Although, got to give Jalen Brunson had a game saving block the other day. So huge, huge finish at yep. the buzzer in, in that big win. So, uh, but yeah, Randall's my pick too. Uh, is there anyone else that you considered uh, outside of the names we've talked about so far? No, not really. The injury, you know, I mean, uh, Brooke Lopez is the name that comes to mind, but but he kind of tailed off a little bit. Um, yeah. Started the season out super hot, um, but everything's kind of tailed off for him and, and for the Bucks in general. Um, yeah, but no, not really. Yeah. Yeah, Brooke, Brooke and Drew were kind of a tough – uh tough to like kind of parse through for me because Brooke has played considerably more minutes than Drew has at this point. I think like probably like 800 more minutes, something like, or no, 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 no. It's like 300 more minutes than Drew. Um, I think Drew's probably been a little bit better, but Brooke has also been a top three defender in the NBA at this point. Um, in addition to providing the floor spacing and providing some real ability around the basket to score. I just kind of decided that Julius Randle was better than both of them. If I'm being completely honest, I just picked one. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk uh, about the West, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. All right, Dave. Let's let's start in the back court because I think the back court is a little bit easier for the West. I think there are just two very obvious guys that you have to have in those two guard spots in the West. Mm-hmm. It's John Morant and Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yes, to both. It's just like you, you have to have those guys at the end yes. of the day. So. What about let, let's start with Shea? Uh, what about Shea's game has stood out to you this season? I mean, the scoring, <laughs> the guy, the guy gets to the hoop and finishes around the basket. I mean, he, the way he finishes as a guard is pretty is insane. Actually, not yeah. pretty insane. It is insane. There's just no reason yeah. for it. And Ja is the same way. The, these are two of the best guard finishers in the league, and, and it shows in the in the stat sheet. Getting to the basket is still important in basketball, and these guys do it like nobody else. And when they get there, they actually finish. Um, you know, they go hand in hand there. Um, I've got defensive concerns with both of these guys. Uh, you know, Shea is definitely not a very good defender, but when you are that good of an offensive player, um, you know, you're going to raise your team up no matter what. And I, I just think that his efficiency has been pretty great this year. Um, the scoring, the scoring really, really has stood out to me. I mean, he's a, a legit 30 point a game night, uh, a night guy. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's also getting to the line more often than he ever has. And he's consistently been a guy that gets to the line all the time, but this season he's averaging 10 free throws per game. And as a hater of the grifting, I feel like he's not really a grifter. 
No, these it's are legit. The Look, driving to the basket and going to the line is okay. Yeah. The grift is, you know, look, searching out rip throughs and, and flopping. And, and, you know, there's, you can go to the line a lot and play honest basketball. Giannis plays honest basketball, goes to the line a lot. Yeah. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander is an honest basketball merchant. You know, he's not, he's not <laughs> selling you any snake oil. Well, I think that like his body mechanics, I talk about his body mechanics all the time on the show. He just is so good at like slithering through guys and like slaloming almost He's really through, like players' feet in the lane mm-hmm. that like he gets them out of position and forces like contact. He basically. moves like a slinky. Yeah, he does. That's exactly that's a great way to put it. He moves like a slinky. Uh and I think he puts himself just in position to get to the line all the time. Uh the passing I think has been pretty good this year. The turnovers are a little bit up, but whatever uh when you play this kind of role on a team yeah. and you uh you know uh, or you have a 32 percent usage rate you're gonna have three turnovers a game just because that's the way it works in the nba mm-hmm. uh john morant now john morant has been one of the most fun players in the league he is leading the number two seed memphis grizzlies uh currently back to the playoffs and he's averaging 27 points eight assists I think this has been his best passing season of his career. Uh, and that's saying a lot because I think he's been a really high-level passer. He consistently attacks the rim at a very high level. I mean, there's just there's so much to enjoy about what John Morant brings to the table. He also gets like three highlights a game, you know? Um, yeah. The, the chase down blocks that that fool people into thinking that he can play defense. Um, John Morant <laughs> and his ability to get to the paint um, I mean, he, David Thorpe calls him modern Iverson. I think that that's a pretty good comparison. The way he moves, mm-hmm. he is incredibly explosive and not just as a leaper, but as a, as a runner. I mean, his, his first step is lightning fast. And that, I mean, that's, he is the straw that stirs the drink from Memphis. And, and it's, it's funny that people will try to, devalue what he brings to the table because they're able to withstand, you know, games without him. But then when you go back and you watch the tape in the playoffs, you know, and what he does getting to the paint, especially like that Utah series where he just carves up one of the best defenses in the, in the regular season in the league. Yeah. I mean, John Morant, if, if he's not an all-star, there is no all-star game. Yeah. I think that that's dead on. Okay. Let's go to the forwards now. I have a feeling that this is going to be a fun conversation because my first pick was Demonis Sabonis, and uh, you do not have Sabonis on your team. Uh, I, I mean, will give the man. pitch let, before, before <laughs> you get into this. Let me give the pitch for Sabonis because uh, I want this to be a positive conversation, and uh, I want Kings fans to not have a meltdown. Uh, Sabonis <laughs> this season: eighteen points, twelve rebounds, seven assists per game, sixty-one percent from the field. Doesn't take a ton of threes, but he's making them at 36%. Gets to the line quite a bit now, shooting 75% from the line. I think that his scoring season has actually gone a little bit underrated just in terms of his ability to be as efficient as he is to derive efficient shots around the basket. That ability just to put his shoulder into somebody and take that little flip shot. Uh, just the way he kind of bails out their offense occasionally uh, with his game on the block. Not that this is an offense that needs bailing out all that often. This is the best offense in the league. But I think he's the the part that makes this the best offense in the league is his 
unbelievable ability to initiate offense in these dribble handoffs, these pistol actions, these, you know, zoom actions up from the corner with guys like Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray. They're so creative in the way that they use their floor spacers. They're creative in the way that they use De'Aaron Fox. And the reason that they can be that creative is Demonis Sabonis. This is a team that is very clearly in the playoffs. I think Sabonis is the bigger reason why, as opposed to De'Aaron Fox. And I had to give Sabonis his flowers. I think he's been unbelievable this season. Dave, hate away. All right, listen. You can't hate on the numbers. And you can't hate on the winning. But I can hate on the aesthetics. I just don't want to see Demonis Sabonis in an all-star game. Oh, I, need, I need a dunker. On, man. I need a dunker. I need a dunker. I went with Aaron Gordon. He's going to throw. I, Look, listen, Aaron, Aaron has a case. Aaron yeah. Gordon, I think, what he's done for them defensively, and, and they're the best team in the West. And I, I I like to give those, you know, I like to give consideration to the teams winning. And I think Aaron Gordon has been an all-star this season. Um, and Demont, it, my, it was it was a tough choice between Aaron Gordon and Demonte Sabonis for me. I went the other way with the Fox and Sabonis conversation. Yeah. I went I leaned Fox. I, I think Fox has been um, instrumental to their success in a way that Sabonis again he's solid. He's very good, and he's he's I think been their second best player. But Fox has been the guy who really stirs the drink, has created havoc uh, on opposing defenses to to. You know, to yeah. set up Sabonis to to be able to make all those plays. I mean, seven assists a game for a big is nothing to you know to sneeze at, especially yeah. since you know this is not a guy like Jokic that touches the ball every single possession. So uh, he's having a great year, and I can't knock the selection, um, but you know, it's just not for me. So look, th- there is a real case that De'Aaron, you know, he certainly leads their transition attack. They play at a tempo that is in the top fourth, you know, top quarter of the NBA for sure. Uh, they definitely work together in synergy, right? And oh, yeah. we're going to talk about the Aaron later as well when he gets this to is a little bit of Brunson and Randall selection. to me. There's a little bit of that, except they're better than the Knicks for sure. Yeah. And yeah, let, let, we'll talk about the Aaron Look, a little bit more. If both these guys get, get picked, like if both of these it. guys, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I think Sabonis is an he's a, he's a, having an All Star level season. Um, he's likely gonna make it, um, but for me, man, I yeah. you know I value that dunk a little bit more. So you mentioned Aaron Gordon, and I think that's a name that people will kind of like chafe at a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, for what it's worth, if you look at advanced numbers, like you know. Let's go to Dunks and Threes, uh, which I believe is Kosta Medvedovsky's website. Um, Certainly the website that houses his metric EPM. And Aaron Gordon right now is 12th in the Western Conference in estimated wins added. And I think there is like a real case for him as an all-star. He is certainly someone that I considered. I ultimately left him off. But again, like I, I even beyond what you've done so far, I would love to hear the case for Aaron Gordon in terms of his importance to that Denver Nuggets team. Well, again, I mean, I think that it's the, it's the defense for, for them uh, that they just, they need it. He has to yeah. play defense at the level that he plays. And then on, on offense, now he slid down a couple spots in, in the importance of his role, but yeah. look at his rebounding numbers. His efficiency is up through the roof. As you just mentioned, um, he's just been a guy. It, it's not quite like he's not a Zion Williamson level of talent 
Um, but he's playing a similar role where they don't run plays for for Aaron Gordon. He makes plays, um, yep. whether it's on the offensive glass or or with timely cuts. You know, he, he really has limited his three point shooting, much to his improvement. Right, he's become a more yeah. uh, he's become more of an attacker and play finisher rather than trying to spot up. And, and I think that that suited him much better. And part of the reason why why they've been so successful, man. Um, Aaron Gordon has been their second best player for if you look at the entirety of the season, he's been their second oh, totally. best player, and I, yeah. I think that that deserves a lot of consideration. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Like I, I very very strongly considered Aaron Gordon. Uh, he he's been absolutely terrific this season. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love I love everything I've seen. Okay, my second pick behind Sabonis in the West for the front court was Lowry Markinen. Do you have Lowry on your team? No, this is beautiful. The West is a mess, man. The West front court is an absolute mess. So Lowry Market in the season, averaging 25 points, nine rebounds, shooting 52% from the field, 43% from three, has a 67 true shooting percentage, 87% from the line. And by the way, he is getting to the line uh, 5.7 times per game, almost doubling uh, last season's output, essentially, when he's playing for the Cavaliers. He has been so, so critical for the Jazz. Who This Jazz team should be nowhere near 500, and I know that I made the case that it's easier to go from you know, a 30% winning percentage team to a 50% winning percentage team uh, than it is to go from 50 to 75, such as Aaron Gordon is helping Denver do. But you just watch marketing every single night. It's the big shots. It's the defensive attention that he gets every single night and still produces, not just in terms of volume, but produces efficiently at that volume. He's the guy the teams are trying to stop every single game and nobody can do it. Like nobody has figured this out yet because he has just been so unstoppable in the mid post from behind the three point line scoring at the rim. Like he's been a phenomenal scorer at the basket this season. Uh, if you look at, I was surprised to learn that, like, if you look again at a lot of the advanced metrics, I have EPM up right now, so I'll just bring it up. Marketing's currently fifth in estimated wins added. If you look at just the straight, like, EPM number, he is in the top 15 in the league right now. I, Lowry has been just an absolute stud this season for the Utah Jazz. I had to include them, especially once I decided on my rule of you have to play 30 games. It knocked out Anthony Davis. It knocked out Devin Booker. It knocked out Kawhi. It kind of opened things up. And by the way, like I I think that it's deserved in terms of getting guys that have played real minutes this season. I, I think that we should reward those guys more than some of the greats that, you know, just haven't played as much this year. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I think playing the game matters. This is why I'm making the big push for total points to be the scoring title. Because total points, I think that that, I mean, that's telling me a lot. If you're playing, if you're playing enough to to be in the total points chase and and you're in the top ten, I know you're actually a scorer who's who's playing and contributing to winning most likely. Um, you're at least playing. That more. You're at least playing. Yeah. I mean, look, man, it's points. It's a scoring lead. If if we can't look at totals, then you know a guy can play 58 games and and you know win the scoring title. Is that the world we want to live in? No, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> but I, I like Lowry. I think he's having a great season. Um, but I went with Jaron Jackson Jr. Man, I, I think that yep. again, Memphis is the second best team in the West right now. He's having a Defensive Player of the Year 
uh, caliber yeah. season. I mean, the, the block shots have just been insane. He's up over three a game. He's, I think he's third in total blocks um, in spite of being, you know, like 10 games behind the rest of the guys that are at the top of the list. So, um, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. to me uh, goes hand in hand with what Memphis has been doing. And, and so, yeah, I think he's an all-star. So comparing Lowry and Jaron, because I, I went through this a lot mm-hmm. in my head, Lowry has just played 700 more minutes than Jaron. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> so plays a lot. More. Yeah, yeah. I had to reward that. I, mm-hmm. I just kind of had to at the end of the day. Like, I, I get it. I think Jaron's been phenomenal on defense. I just like – that ended up being kind of what knocked out Jaron for me. I, I know mm-hmm. he's the defensive player of the year so far. He impacts winning at an exceptionally high level. I just kind of rewarded the guys that have played a little bit more. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, know I respect that, it. I respect it. Yeah. It, it's I'm hard. just trying to get over in Memphis, man. I, I want some free uh, – you know, I love it. To visit. It's a great, it's a great place to get over. Okay. Yeah. So I think that we're going to end up over three on the front court. Cause my third guy is Paul George. Yeah. And I, I don't have a third guy. Oh, wait, don't, I, no, wait. Anthony Edwards is a forward, right? Anthony Edwards is a guard. He's, He's a guard. At. Then yes. I don't have a third big. How did I make that mistake? Who are your wild cards? My wild cards were – oh, I have three wild cards. That's what it was. Uh, it let me fix that. I'll fix that. Go ahead. We'll fix it, we'll um, fix it in post. My third, yeah, uh, I'll fix my third big. It's gonna, it's, my third guy is going to be Lowry Marketing, by the way. He was okay. third on my list. So we're good. Um, I just – I picked too many guards. We went one for three, though. Guard heavy That's is the great. Worst. Yeah. We um, so Lowry three. Marketing is my third guy. He was I, – I chose Jaron over Lowry Marketing. Um, the season Lowry's had. And, you know, what's funny is, like, if we had talked about Lowry Marketing – like if we could go back in time and tell people before yeah. he left the Bulls what he was going to do in Cleveland and what he was going to be able to do in Utah, people would have thought we were crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Right. This guy hit the gym, actually committed to playing defense when he was in Cleveland, got some really good coaching, I think, while he was there, and has just turned his career around. I mean, he now looks yeah. like a guy who could be a number one, definitely a number two. Uh, on a winner on a so, great team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So let's get to Paul George. Now Paul George this season, I think has been way underrated, way under the radar in terms of what he's brought the Clippers. This Clippers team, by the way, like sneaky is currently the third best team in the West. Uh, or no fourth best team in the West behind Denver, Sacramento and Memphis. Uh, they have just kind of risen up, risen up. Everyone was complaining about them around midseason. Everyone was, you know, what, what's going to happen with the Clippers? Can you win a championship when your guys play half the games? Whatever, right? Uh, Paul George has played 36 games. He's played like 1,300 minutes this season. Uh, he plays a ton when he plays, obviously. Averaging 24 points, six rebounds, five assists. It's just that he does literally everything on the court. He has become an unbelievable pull-up shooter, obviously, throughout the course of his career, right around the time that his fifth season rolled around. Uh, He has become a really, really underrated passer that can initiate offense for them. Uh, He can run off of screening actions and take pull-up shots. He can run off screening actions and take catch-and-shoot shots. On top of that, he's been incredible again on defense. 
Like he has been absolutely unbelievable. If you look at the way that, for instance, I talk about this all the time, watch him like just run through dribble handoffs, watch him through, just watch him completely break up any ball screen action with his mobility and length and uh, strength to get through that, his recovery ability with his size. Like it's just all so, so phenomenal. I think he's the guy on the Clippers right now. Uh, Certainly has been through the first, you know, what, 55 to 60% of the season. It'll be Kawhi in the playoffs. Kawhi has also been great. Kawhi did not meet my personal games played barrier in terms of this. But Paul George, I think, is very deserved of being an all-star this year. Uh, He he has just been absolutely great. Yeah, he's back to being a ball hawk. You know, he's a scary guy on an island defensively now. Uh, Again, um, seems to be fully healthy. Yeah, I think that, you know, Paul George kind of, for me, it's more about, you know, just that team in general has been disappointing to this point. Mm-hmm. And they're they're trying to figure it out. And and Paul George takes some of the blame for that, you know, uh, lack of availability. Yep. But, you know, 23 and a half points a game, you know, you maybe accept, uh, expect a little bit more, um, especially in a season like this where offenses are, are kind of crazy. But, yeah, Paul George, it, it's – He's going to be an interesting guy to talk about come playoff time because I do think everyone's kind of forgotten about him. You know, we pay more attention to Kawhi when he's out there and doing stuff than we do Paul George. And um, if Paul George can continue to to be healthy and and play at this level, I mean, the Clippers are going to be good no matter what, no matter what they look like right now. Well, it's weird, too, because, like, Kawhi and Paul are going to be so, so, so desperately important because that offense is just terrible to watch. Hmm. Like they they are awful to watch. Yeah. Like it, it feels like they don't run much. They run, let's run a primary action, try and get a kick out and then get it back to Paul or get it back to Kawhi. And that's like the offense right now. Or uh, sometimes it's Marcus Morris. Sometimes it's Norman Powell. Right. But it's a lot of guys that play a lot of isolation ball, and try and create a shot that way. It's all, it's, <laughs> I just thought of this. It's like watching Kentucky's offense, and you don't watch enough college basketball, but you maybe understand how disastrous Kentucky's offense is. Uh, it's like watching Kentucky's offense uh, try and just like play with no movement whatsoever, but when they have just like the most elite talent in the league, basically, like Kentucky often does, right? Like, They've gone to the Final Four many times. They've gone to, you know, they've won a national title there under John Calipari. It reminds me of watching a Kentucky offense. And yeah. I don't mean that as a positive. <laughs> they play basketball like it's Red Rover. Um, you're, you know, it's not it's not a, a fight against ba- a group of bad guys in a movie. You can do stuff together. You don't have to go all at once. And uh, yeah. I don't believe in the Clippers, like, winning a title because they don't have a coherent half-court offense. And I know that, like, often playoff series and and games come down to isolation possessions, being able to just score, get a bucket when you need one in half-court. But you got to be able to fool the defenses. And so, um, at least least this year, these guys look healthy. Yeah, they do. We'll find out. Okay. Let's go to the wild card picks here in the West. Okay. Damian Lillard was my top one. Do you have Damian Lillard on? That's my top one. 
Yep. Uh, 30 points per game, seven assists, 46% from the field, 37% from three, 90% from the line. It, it's just like an absolutely ridiculously loaded guard year in the West where he is the fifth best selection among guards. Because his guard. team isn't as good. It's because his team isn't as good. And frankly, because Luca, Steph, Luca and Steph are two of the top seven players in the league right now. John Morant has been incredible leading the second best team in the league. And then Shea Gilgis Alexander is averaging 30 points himself. Like Dame has been unbelievable. He's been one of the 15 best players in the league again, but it's a wild card spot. Yeah. Okay. 60 point game, man. So crazy. Unbelievable. It was funny. 21 of 29 with a heave. I think that like two days before Dame went on this, like, absolutely ridiculous insane heater that he's on Uh, i think i did it on like january 10th i said you know who hasn't had like the crazy big game this year while everyone else around the league is just going nuts it feels weird that dame hasn't had one right on the 12th he went for 50 on the 15th he went for 40 on the 17th he went for 44 he went for 60 against Utah in that game that you just referenced. Then he went for 42 last night. Like, as soon as I said it, my man just went on the heater of all heaters, and I love it. It is. But he's listening to the Game Theory podcast. I, I I would hope so, man. Shout out shout out those folks up there in Portland, man. Uh, okay, this is the hardest spot for me, this last West, Co- or, uh, West wild card spot. Darren Fox, Jaron Jackson Jr., Anthony Edwards. I also briefly considered Draymond Green. Uh, I think that without Dre, again, the Warriors would be in enormous amounts of strife. I ultimately uh, did not end up with Draymond because they are the 17th-ranked defense, and he derives a lot of his value from defense. He's not the reason that they're the 17th-ranked defense. but <laughs> Yeah, right. If we're trying to assess value this season, I think that the other guys just haven't beat very slightly. Uh, is there anyone else that you and Aaron Gordon, who we talked about briefly already? He didn't make my team, but we've kind of already touched on him to a pretty substantial extent. A- anyone else that you uh, considered here? I mean, I, I thought about Paul George and Anthony Edwards was was my runner up. Um, I, I think we're yeah. we're seeing um, it's a little hop from him. It may not be the leap we all wanted, but it does seem like the game is like really slowing down. And, and Minnesota finding all this recent success, especially with the ball in his hands. Um, and it's stark. It stands out big time end of games when he doesn't touch the basketball. Now when D'Angelo Russell is doing his own thing at the end of a game and you see Anthony Edwards standing in the corner, it catches your eye right away now. And that says a lot to me, like, Hey, this is a situation where Anthony Edwards ought to have the ball. Why didn't he have it? And when I'm saying that about a guy, he moves up the list quite a bit. Um, but ultimately, I, I went up going with De'Aaron Fox for the reasons I listened to. I did, before. too. Oh, I yeah. And, again, I'm with you. I had Anthony Edwards as my top runner-up. And I felt bad about that. <laughs> I love Anthony Edwards. Uh, if you look at what he has done, like I would have thought after the first 30 games of this year, 25 games of this year, there is no way that Anthony Edwards is going to be even really in the ballpark for this, right? And then you look, basically, since right around Christmas, he's averaging 28 points, five assists, six rebounds per game, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three, 78% from the line. 
he has completely taken over for a you know Minnesota Timberwolves team that desperately like desperately 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 needed it they have won something like like they went on that run where they won uh, I think like six of seven. And then recently they went on a run where they won five of six. Like they are firmly right back in the playoff picture, despite making one of the most disastrous trades I've ever seen in my life this off season. And it's a credit not to Rudy Gobert. It's obviously not Carl Anthony Towns right now. It is all Anthony Edwards that they are back right in this mix. And I think he deserves an incredible, incredible amount of credit. I just think De'Aaron Fox has done it all season, which is why I ultimately decided on De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not game in, game out, but there are some high-level defensive possessions from De'Aaron Fox. Um, yeah. And, I, and that, that stands out to me, you know, um, with a guy with his sort of activity on offense, when he's asking for some of these tougher defensive assignments, especially late in games, crucial possessions you know i care about that stuff and then again winning actually winning matters so you know having a king on the list you know i think was pretty important i went two kings that's how much i love the sacramento kings i love this team they are they are genuinely my favorite team in the league like orlando is close i love watching orlando but sacramento they are the most fun team in terms of like Offensive creativity, pace of play. Every game they play is like up and down. It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's a really, really good time. I, I just kind of love, I love the Kings. Maybe like that. Maybe this is something of a, uh, of a fun bias for me. The Lakers have turned into that for me. Slightly over Anthony Edwards. Do you love, yeah, Lakers games the are Lakers. super fun. Dude, it's like, it's like the expendables, you know, um, who's going to, who's going to get blown up in this episode? Um, a bunch of old dudes past their prime, uh, maybe a little out of touch with reality, but still scrapping and entertaining. And, you know, I mean, a, a bevy of emotions. I mean, that Lakers Celtics game, it was a roller coaster. I was rooting for the Lakers and LeBron James in my house outright. And I mean, it just, I was, I was drawn in by, by the drama of, of the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, I- I love the Lakers too because it does not matter who they are playing. They can be playing the good Hornets or bad. Or they can be playing the Celtics. Every game is close. Yeah. Every single game is a roller coaster. It's uh it's like the Rocky where he comes back and he's old and he's just working on power, right? He's, he's never going to be as fast as the other guys. You're never going to, you know, you're not going to be able to take the beating necessarily, but you can lay it on them and they're just going as hard as they can. Um it, you know, it's Honestly, man, like LeBron has been this is this is the season that's probably the most impressive LeBron season yeah. for me because he's like he still wants this shit. I, I like totally that game against the Celtics, man. He he kind of he flipped the script for me because I'm yeah. you know, I talk about this quite a bit. I I get bored with with some of these characters, right? Like it's time to move on. I want to get to know the new characters. Um but but the last couple weeks especially and that when he lost his shit at the end of that Celtics game, yeah, I felt it. I was there with him, man. I, I I loved seeing that sort of competitive fire out of a guy, you know, halfway through his twentieth year in a game in January. And now they needed to have that game, and he knew they didn't have the juice to get through overtime, and that may have colored that that response. But uh, 
man, I'd love to see that kind of response from a competitor. So, yeah, the Lakers have been yeah. fun as hell to me. They've been my guilty uh, pleasure because they are not good. <laughs> yeah, since December 11th, LeBron has played 22 games. He's averaging 34, 8, and 8. Well, he's just trying to get that scoring <laughs> trying to get that scoring title thing out of the way. You got to get this it over with. Man. 38 years old. Yeah. And he's averaging 34, 8, and 8 for like a long stretch of like two months, basically. I don't know NBA. how he's going to finish the season, Sam. I, I really no don't. Idea. Um, and they need I mean, him. He's playing they, on a bad leg, man. Like, he's yeah. playing on a bad leg. His foot is all messed up. His ankle's kind of messed up. I mean, these are legit. Like, I mean, you know, um, and he's playing heavy minutes. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah this is – I don't know. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying uh, this. Because it's, you know, often we're like, we have to watch them. But I've been enjoying watching the Lakers. Oh, and by the way, like, they finally did get him some rest uh, against Brooklyn. And (laughs) they lost to the Nets, a Nets team without KD, without Ben Simmons, without TJ Warren. Like, absolutely got boat raced in that game. (laughs) And it's just like... I mean, they were close until the fourth quarter, but like they, they just got boat raced in the fourth. And it was just like, man, it feels like he is just so, 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 so essential to everything they do. And look, like Anthony Davis didn't play in that game either. I get it. They had absolutely nobody to go to down the stretch. Uh, they needed to run the Russ offense down the stretch, but this team just so desperately needs him every single game, every night out. He has to be Superman, basically. And it's like the coolest thing in the world that this dude is still doing this. Yeah, I mean, for now. I, I for just, now. I don't I know how forever, he's going to do it into April. Yeah, I'm a little yeah. bit – I'm actually a little bit worried about that. Like, LeBron has kind of picked up some soft tissue stuff here and there over the course of the year. Look, man, we're, they can... I, I'm old. You're not old yet, Sam. I'm old. I know what this is like, dude. Him taking that game off after the Saturday night, that's – I mean, if I go out on a yeah. Saturday night, I'm taking the next game off. So. <laughs> yeah, Laura and I went down to the city for like 12 hours on Sunday. We didn't even drink. Like we were just like, okay, we got brunch, we went shopping, and then we went to cricket afterward. We went to a finals cricket match over here. And my body felt dead. Like I was just walking – I think I got like 15,000 steps. I didn't get like, you know, the number of steps LeBron gets high impact every single game on an NBA court. My body was wrecked. All right. Well, I don't that, know that how this dude's doing this. But if I go out, uh, oh, yeah. then, you know, I'm, you, I'm cooked. Too old for yeah, that. Man. It's tough. Walking. It is tough. Yeah, we're good. I can walk all day. <laughs> Dave, do you have anything else you need to say before we get out of here? Uh, no. <laughs> should we recap our all-star picks? So, um, Yeah, sure. In the East, James Harden, Jalen Brown, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Bam Adebayo, Tyrese Halliburton, Julius Randle for me. Uh, same, for was, same for me. I think you as well. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. In the West, John Morant, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Demonis Sabonis, Lowry Markinen, Paul George, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox. And I had Aaron Gordon and Jaron Jackson instead of Sabonis and. Um... Paul George. Paul George. Yep. 
This was a fun exercise. This yeah, is, we uh, should, someone make these teams, sim them against each other in 2K, and let me know how many dunks Aaron Gordon gets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you, you would probably win that game because your team uh, also has Jaron Jackson. And your dunks and blocks, man. That's what we which want. Is good. That's what you want in an all-star game. Uh, Dave, tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people where they can listen to your dulcet tones daily. All my stuff is at The Athletic. Exclusive at theathletic.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find The Athletic NBA Show. I'm on The Daily Ding a couple times a week. we got Nerder She Wrote. Um, you know, we do all kinds of stuff. Big, big plans for trade deadlines. So um, check all that stuff out. And, you know, I'm around. Dave is around Uh, on this feed. The Schindler podcast will be up Thursday night into Friday morning. What we're going to talk about who's to say at this point, we'll see if there are some trades. We're about a week out from the deadline as of tomorrow or the next day. So we should be getting close to seeing something happen at some point, but until next time we will talk soon. Bye. (laughs) 